0: And uh, these come straight from the words of Jesus. If you have a Bible that has red letters, uh, that is the word, those are the words of Jesus. And uh, we're thankful for um, this series. And we have one more week left, but tonight or today we've been really focused on the fact that Jesus spoke to his mother from the cross. And his mother was there in an act of such love. And I wanna read a couple verses that, I think will be an encouragement to you as we unpack them today. Uh, it's called Selfless Love in Your Worship Guide. There's a outline, looks like this, so go ahead and pull that out and we'll go through this. But before we pray and start, I, I wanted to read in verse number 25 of, of John 19. It's in your notes and you can open your Bibles to it as well if you'd like. John 19 and verse number 25 says, And there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And in verse number 26, it says this, and when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by him, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, behold thy son. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the mothers. We thank you for the selfless love that they've given Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for opening up uh, just a very personal moment that you had uh, with your mother. And God, we're grateful for that. And we pray that it would encourage us and and strengthen us in our love for one another and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as loving as mothers are, I have to tell you that there's sometimes moms just can get a little overwhelmed and need to 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 you know get some stress relieved, uh, and I I read about some moms who were had some interesting text conversations with their children. Uh, one had was leaving the store, and she was on her way home from Walmart, and this was their text conversation. She said. Uh, where are you? And she said, leaving Walmart halfway home. Why, sweetie? And she said, you brought me to Walmart with you. And she said, oh, I'm coming back to get you. <laughs> and so that's a little bit of a mom's life, you know, wondering, okay, uh, well, where where are all my kids? What do I need to do? How do I need to get everything done? And then this one mom wanted some uh, a break from the pace, so she was going to be on the treadmill for a while. So she texted her her daughter and said. Uh, please don't text me for the next hour. I'm going to be on the treadmills. She said, I wasn't planning on texting you. And she said, what did I just say? Uh, Do not text me. Uh, And so even moms need a a break, need a moment. And, uh, you know, there's a moment in this passage of scripture where, uh, you know, Mary came through in the clutch. She came through and she was there for Jesus. And you know, a lot of times even with the pressures of being a mom and trying to figure everything out, uh, you know, we all never wonder about anything. Uh, we can wonder about a lot of things. We don't wonder about one thing, and that is whether or not our mothers are going to be there for us. They're just there for us. And Mary is there for Jesus in a very difficult time. Here he is on the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he looks down in verse number 26, and he sees his mother. And when Jesus saw his mother, now that's a very interesting phrase, because I believe that every person on the planet who has been born and would be born was seen by Jesus. I believe he saw you, he saw me, I believe he saw every sin that you would ever commit, and he was paying for that sin. So the fact that he would look and he would see his mother is not as shocking as much as he would say something to his mother. You see, he only gave seven statements from the cross. And one of the seven statements was a statement to his mother. And we'll see that statement in just a minute. But I want you to notice that that Jesus sees her and Jesus sees us. In fact, Jesus sees the sorrow and the difficulty that no one else sees. Jesus sees the pain. Jesus sees the hurt. Jesus sees the trouble that no one else sees, and Jesus understands it. In fact, Jesus came to give our pain perspective. He came to give our pain perspective. Now, I want to give you two perspectives of selfless love that I think will help give difficulties and trials uh, and and difficulties in our life perspective. And I want you to see the first one, and that is the first perspective of selfless love is that selfless love is courageous. Selfless love is courageous. This whole passage just oozes courage because you see there's a a, a mom who is risking her life uh, to come be with her son. This is the reason the disciples ran away and hid. Like, like little girls. <laughs> it's not because they weren't strong. It was because they didn't want to get beaten. They didn't want to get arrested. But who is here? The moms. The moms like, hey, to the Roman guards, just try to arrest me. All right, I'll throat punch you, right? I mean, I, you, know, you don't mess with a mom when you're torturing her son. She's already upset. She's already a little bit on edge, and she's like, hey, try something, right? And so the moms are there. They're courageous. They're, they're risking their lives to be there, but there's something else that's happening right before they're standing there, and Jesus mentions his mother. Look at this. There's something else going on. And there's a reason why the moms, the four moms are standing there. And then there are four different guards, not mentioned by name, standing there as well. In fact, I think they're sitting there. Look at verse number 23. John 19, 23 says, And the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments, all of his garments, made, and, and made four parts to every soldier a part. So we know there's four soldiers. And also his coat. So he had five different garments, okay? But, but then his coat, they didn't know what to do with it. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots. So they would cast dice, sort of like, and they would cast these dice. And then they, wherever it landed, okay, that's that's who got the, the garments. They would cast dice, one person would get it. And they did this, that it would be fulfilled by Scripture and and this is straight from uh, Psalm 22, 16 through 19, fulfilled from scripture that they parted my raiment among them for my vesture did they cast lots. That was a direct commandment, okay? You know, 1,500 years before the time when they were doing that, actually more like 1,100 years before the time that they were doing that, David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to say, hey, they're going to cast lots for the Messiah's garment, his outer garment. Now, the reason why I think this is remarkable is no doubt one of the women that were standing right next to this group of four soldiers made that garment. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, someone else could have gotten it. He could have bought it. He could have bought it. There's lots of theories, but I will tell you the reason why this precedes the conversation and the mentioning of these four people, these four women, these four mothers, is because I believe Jesus is making a point of not just what was going on with, with the cross, but what he wasn't wearing. You see, the word vesture, I, I think I have a little coat to, to, to illustrate. The word vesture was, was not your clothes, okay? It was an outer covering. And the outer covering would be made when, when they would uh, shear a lamb. They would take the, the wool from the lamb and it would generally, when you shear a lamb, it comes off pretty much in one piece. You just keep going and it comes all the way off. And then they would lay that out and they would stretch it and spin it, stretch it and spin it. And they would make one coat out of every, uh, probably a large lamb, but they would make one piece of wool and then they would make that outer coat They would make it out of that one piece of wool that was pulled off of a sheep. So here's the picture. Here's the full picture. The Lamb of God, which is Jesus, that takes away the sin of the world, was taking off his coat that was covering him because he was the second Adam. Now think through this. The first Adam sinned. And the moment he sinned, what was his first thing he wanted to do was cover himself. He covered himself. You've seen the picture with fig leaves. Okay, they're uh, appropriately placed, right? Fig leaves. They they cover themselves. But but God said, "I'm going to make you coats out of what? Out of lamb's skin, the 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 hide of a lamb. He made them coats to cover them. So the first Adam covered himself in shame. The second Adam. Un, was uncovered and bore the shame and guilt of all the world. That is the picture. So when his coat was taken, it was taken by the very people who were also taking his life. They were taking his last piece of of valuable, his last valuable piece of of, of this world, and giving it to someone who wasn't his mother, who who would have used it as, a, as, as a, a, a covering for it. Generally, they would put it over the tomb. They would use it as basically uh, saying that's where the person lies. They would lay it on the tomb or uh, beside the tomb. And so they were taking his garment And and, in a picture of openness and vulnerability, he was in selfless love, being courageous enough to say, I am hanging here being open and exposed and ashamed before the world so that you could not be covered in shame. You would no longer know condemnation. You could be set free and have grace. And so Jesus was disgraced to give us grace. As Galatians 3.13 says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus, without his coat, was a picture of being helplessly exposed without excuse. And this selfless love, and here's the key thought from this first point. We only have two points, so I want you to get this. That this selfless love is a love that's willing to risk being hurt in order to be close enough to help. You see, many people, they want to keep their distance and they want to create a little bit of a wall emotionally. They don't want to be open and vulnerable. They don't want to be humble enough to, 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 to say exactly how they're feeling. And so they live this life behind the wall and it gets very lonely and it gets very difficult to live life that way. You see, you have to risk being hurt in order to be close enough to help. Mary risked her own freedom, her own comfort, her own well-being to be close to Jesus while he was on the cross. You know, no one knows this better than kids. Kids really know how to be open and vulnerable and just kind of like say what's on their mind. I want to give you a contrast between two kids. The, the first two kids are going to just be raw and open and going to talk about how they're feeling. The second, the, the, the second video, I'm going to show you how, how a kid has learned to try to hide what's been going on. Okay, Let's look, I think this will illustrate the point perfectly. Okay, This is the courage I'm talking about, to be open and vulnerable. The openness of just being honest with how you're feeling. Here's the first one. Why, why don't you want Aunt Judy to get married? Because he's my best friend. Vera. I don't want my best friend to skip me I away. Mean. Oh, that's <laughs> you know, I had a big day. Um, just... What kind of big day? Because you're in you the first how, grade? You know how hard it is to be in first grade and, and it's hard and how big it is to do stuff? No. It is hard. And I get grumpy. Well, I worked all day and I get grumpy. But I'm not being grumpy to you. Because I'm grumpier than you. I'm grumpier than you. Now now let's contrast that with a little less vulnerability. A wanting to try to hide what really happened. I did not do that thing. Well, somebody did it Well, I did not I didn't, I didn't see it happen. I was looking to you. I was looking to you and get ready to say something. that I love you. But then I started looking and it just fell. My arm just moved. Up. Like, some somebody pulled my arm over there. There's a bell. The jank. The I didn't even see it happen. Then I started to look. I saw it happen. And then, that's just what I saw. It's just, I can't explain that. I can't, I don't know how that happened. Did you see it? That's the question we all want to say is, listen, if no one saw it, then I'm good, right? Like, I mean, if, if you're just seeing the good side, then everything is good. And the thing that the cross teaches us and the thing that this story teaches us is that life is sometimes messy. That life is sometimes difficult, and the real courage is to stand next to the cross and say, I'm going to not be defined by my mess. I'm going to be defined by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so here's a takeaway just from this first point, and it is this, that the the cross, here's a takeaway. Let's, Let's put up the takeaway. The takeaway from this is, and it's in your notes, The takeaway is be courageous enough to stand by the cross of Jesus. You must stand by his cross and say everything that I have going wrong with me is going to be defined in a moment of courage by his death, burial, and resurrection. It can't be defined by my goodness. It has to be defined what he's done. It has to be defined by his sacrifice, by his selfless love. So number one, it's courageous to have selfless love. Number two, the second perspective that I want to give you is that selfless love is caring and committed. It's caring and committed. Listen, the agape love, the, the, the love that Jesus loves with the deepest love, the love that, that brings the most affection and, and, and the most commitment, the most care, it, it comes from letter A, A care, uh, the, the care of personal attention. The, the care of personal attention, the, the personal attention that Jesus gives to his mother here is unmistakable. He says, woman, verse number 26, behold thy son. Now, when we read that in our culture, it's like, whoa, Jesus, hold on, you know, time out. You, don't please, you know, use a, use a kinder phrase. Like, please don't walk up to your mother today and say, woman, happy Mother's Day. And <laughs> she'd be like, well, excuse me? <laughs> That's not how we talk to, to, to me. But listen, this is, this is a phrase they would have used. In fact, he used it multiple times. It's, it's actually uh, the, the Greek word. Well, there's, there's two words. There's a, there's a Hebrew word he would have used or an Aramaic word. But the Greek word literally means ma'am. It's our modern-day equivalent to man. And, and gunai is the word. And, and the word gunai, it, it was something that he would address her with as, as a respectful title. And, and he, he, was, he was respecting her, he was, he was putting his attention on her, but he was also diverting the fact that he was not calling her the mother of all divinity. The reason why he, you'll never see him say, to, to her, use her term as mother, okay, okay the, the scripture uses it as mother, but he'll never say mother, is because he wanted to separate the fact that yes, she was blessed beyond all measure but she was not divinity. Jesus was divine, but Mary wasn't. And it's really important for us to understand that because nowhere in the Bible does it say that there are two mediators between God and man. And the reason why I don't pray to Mary and I'm not, uh, I don't have a personal vendetta against anyone who does. I just believe that I need to follow what the Bible says. And the Bible is really clear that Jesus is the one mediator between God and man and that his mother is blessed, but she is not divinity. And so it's really important for us to know that he uses this term on purpose to show us that he's giving personal attention and he wants us to give the same personal attention to our mothers as he gave to his. Now look at this, here's a key thought. The more we give our personal attention to the needs of others, the greater our needs and our greatest needs will be met. The kingdom living is backwards. It's, it's upside down to, to what we naturally think. The greatest need you have is what you need to give. You say, but I'm really sad and I just need some joy. Try to give joy to others. Oh, I'm just really, really, really feeling a, a sense of urgency and, and anxiety about something. I just don't know what to do and, I, and I'm just confused. Listen, bring clarity to others. Help, help others see their way and you'll see yours. It's just amazing how that works. And so the personal attention that is given from Jesus to his mother is a moment of uh, total courage and and, 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 and carrying attention. Now, uh, oftentimes, you know, life gets busy and we, and, and, and we lose uh, track of things and, and, and we don't give as much personal attention to something or someone as we need. There was a really busy uh, uh, single mother this last week who was, uh, you know, just gave her four, four-year-old her phone and said, Hey, listen, I need to get some things done. Mom, mom's busy. Uh, you can play on my phone. And so he opened up the Amazon app and this is what happened just about anything your heart desires on Amazon. For four-year-old Noah Bryant, his heart desires popsicles, more than 900 of them. The little boy managed to place an order for nearly $3,000 worth of SpongeBob SquarePants themed frozen treats. And while Noah is all smiles about his purchase, Mom Jennifer was not. The popsicles were non-refundable, which left the single mom stuck with quite the bill, and they started a GoFundMe to help cover the splurge is that incredible one moment of just looking away and he's on the amazon amazon app uh, ordering 51 boxes of SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, how many times, you know, like, oh, one's not enough, let's go all the way up to 51, you know, like, what, what was he thinking, right? But, um, but it's interesting that that one moment of lack of attention, now, what the devil says is, you know, there's been some moments that you could have given more attention, and so I want to put guilt, I want to put shame on you for all of those areas where you didn't pay attention. You know what Jesus is saying on the cross when he's giving attention to his mother? He's saying, listen, as I am giving selfless love, I'm hanging on a cross for your sin, but I am also paying attention to my personal responsibilities. I'm I'm not focused on what's been done in the past or what's even being done in the present. I'm looking to the future. I'm taking care of her. This is a great passage to know that our personal responsibility matters. Look at uh, letter B. The, The commitment of selfless love is shown through personal responsibility the commitment of personal responsibility. Now, this is not a popular topic of today, but I will tell you, personal responsibility, or as it's called, adulting, is one of the most beautiful things that the Bible promotes. Do you know the, the Bible promotes adulting? You know the Bible promotes like, taking on personal responsibility, maturity. You know, the Bible promotes the fact that we were given some God-given roles and, and many in culture are running away from those roles. But I will tell you this, that the beauty of personal responsibility is found in stepping into your God-given purpose and role. In fact, here's a key thought. Selfless love is ready to make commitment, even if it means greater responsibility. And so as an action item, we need to embrace our God given responsibilities as an opportunity to fulfill our eternal purpose and our role. And so, selfless love, yeah, it's, it's caring, and yeah, it's committed. But it's not just committed to your personal responsibility, it's also committed to your personal transformation. That's letter C, and that's final, finally today. The commitment for personal transformation. Now it's interesting that he starts out off with talking about the coat, the removal of what was covering. And he ends with what's inside you. Look at verse number 28. He says Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now, they would give him vinegar, which is also very significant. And you can go back to the Jesus is Everything series that we did last uh, a couple years ago. And and, and listen, we did a whole study on these two words, I thirst. But you know what Jesus was saying when he said, I thirst? He was saying, I am the only one that has ever been filled. I am the only one that is, that is completely without need. The, the word thirst here is the word dipso. It, it literally means uh, that, that, that a desire for water, of course, but it means to, to yearn for something, to, to be empty or lacking. He says, I, the, 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 the one of all fullness, the, the God-man in the flesh, I have been emptied out so that you could be filled. I have, I have emptied myself so that you could have fullness on the inside, but he didn't stop there. He said to die it is finished the word to die is a word that no doubt he would use. He would have used hundreds of thousands of times. Every time he would have finished a house, we know that Jesus worked in Tyre and Sidon with his uh, stepfather uh, Joseph, and he would have worked there building uh, these 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 rock houses, these brick houses. And and when they would have finished a house, he would have brushed off the mortar from his hands, and he would have said to every time he would have uh, made a transaction where he would have bought a lamb or would have bought even a coat, uh, he would have uh, shaken the hand of the person. That he bought it from, and would have said to Telosai, "It is finished. It's complete. The deal has been done." And when he said from the cross, "It is finished," he was saying that everything you need has been completed. Everything that uh, you are lacking has been uh, brought to a fullness, a fulfilling. He has achieved what we want to to, to achieve. Everyone in, inside of us, we feel a little bit empty. We feel like a little bit is lacking. We feel like something is is just missing. And Jesus says, I am the one that is missing. I am the one that can heal your broken heart. I am the one that can make whole all things new. I am the one that can bring you to a to tetelestai feeling and moment in your life to say, I feel complete because I'm complete in him. And so here's a key thought. Jesus is selfless love. It's the ultimate transforming force. Because he's emptied himself so that we could be filled. And he was broken, as we'll talk about next week in the final message in this series. He was broken. This body was broken, he says, for you. He was broken so that we could be made whole. And so we need to then transfer that to others. And when we are poured out into others in selflessness, we are fulfilling why Jesus came to pour into us. He has given us his selfless love so that we would be selfless to others as well. And so here's an action item. I would encourage you to keep track of, of, of those selfless moments that God allows you to pour into others. And, and as you pour into others, I believe that God will allow uh, his grace to flow through you and to transform you. And here's a takeaway, the selfless love uh, that, that that is caring and committed is, uh, is, is given to others uh, through personal attention and help Uh, that they need for lasting transformation. See, we all need help. We all need attention. We all need lasting transformation. There's a part of all of us that needs to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ, but, but many of us try to go about our lives wanting everyone around us to see the covering, the coat, the vesture that we've put up for others to look at us and say, wow, you look good. So let me illustrate it this way, and then we'll be finished. And that is, um, I've, I've used something similar, but I hope this will help you to understand what, what I mean by selfless love. What I mean is, the, there's, a, there's an outer shell called our reputation that we often put up, and we want everyone to see it, and, and, and it hides our flaws, right? Right? And so we 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 paint a mural that everyone sees. Then everyone does this, and it says, "Look at me, this is me, right?" But really, behind this, we're, we're hiding faults and failures and and things that we all have. And in an honest moment, I, I just wanna I, I just wanna talk to you about how this love, what this love looks like, a a love that is open, a, a love that is caring and committed and, and courageous enough to say I, I wanna I want to engage in the Christian life not in a fake sense of being someone I'm not but but I I, I wanna I want to focus on others and so many times people take this these verses and they say well you know I'll, I'll focus on others I'll I'll take this and and this will be this will be what I'll I'll look, look at, this is how I'll do it. They, they, they take the reflection. They'll say, I'll focus on others, but when they're looking at me, I'll, 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 I'll put on my best self. Look at me. I'm cool, right? And so I'm no longer wanting you to focus on me, but really I'm kind of wanting you to focus on me as I focus on you, right? So I'm others focused. I'm focused on you, but when you're looking at me, I, I still want you to look at my best self, Right? And so, Sean, could you grab me that? This is what I believe Jesus is saying through this, through this wonderful expression of his love for us. I really believe this is just the way that I think, and if this doesn't connect with you, I'm, uh, I, I hope that the verses will. But I believe Jesus is saying to us, yeah, I, I, I want you to be focused on others, but really when they look at you, I want what they see in you to really be reminding them of me. So every time you look at me, I want you to be reminded of Jesus in me. That's good. You might see something good in me, but really it's Jesus in me that you see. And so focusing on others is only as effective as when you are focusing others on Jesus as you are focusing on them. And so our reflection should absolutely be a reflection of Jesus of saying, hey, look at Jesus in me. And being transformed is not being transformed so that others can see me or a better version of me, but they can see a better version of Jesus in me. Do you guys get that? And so on this Mother's Day Sunday, one of the most transforming things that I could ever tell you is from the word of God. And it is Galatians 2.20 because it says that I am crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I in Christ live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. But you know, he didn't stop there. Because he knew that we would constantly try to fix ourselves through religiosity and through good works. And so he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God for it, for if righteousness come by the law, like doing good, then Christ is dead in vain. He died in vain. Now let, let me tell you what that means. It means that most, almost all religion will say that if your good works outweigh your bad works. Then you're good. The reality is, if you have to do anything to try to make up for the bad that you've done, then what Jesus has done is not enough. And so, the message of this moment in the cross that we've studied today is the fact that Jesus was saying, I am enough, and that everything I've done is finished. It is to tell us die, it is complete. You don't have to add anything to it, but you do have to receive it. And so today I would encourage you to receive this gift that he's giving you, the gift of tetelestai, the gift of the complete finished work of Jesus on the cross. The selfless love was given to you so you could enter into a relationship with God, not on your own merit, but based on Jesus's merit. The only perfect person to ever walk this face of the earth died and took on your imperfections so that he could forgive your sins and give you a, a home in heaven forever. And so if you've never received that, I would encourage you to know today that you are a child of God by receiving his gift of eternal life if you already have, and we have people on all journeys uh, of their walk of of faith, and I would encourage you, if you never have, I would encourage you to receive that today. If you've just received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're not exactly sure what now and, and, and where to go, let me tell you, the life of selfless love is the most fulfilling. It's not the most easy, but it is the most fulfilling life you will ever live. And you will always be searching Until you find rest in Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.